This is episode 98 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by Dexcom and Omnipod, two of my favorite pieces of diabetes technology. It's a tubeless insulin pump that hugs you like a, a warm breeze, and a CGM that holds you up like the Rock of Gibraltar. We'll find out more later. This episode is called Three Arms, The Swine Flu, and Type 1 Diabetes, and the title has almost nothing to do with what the podcast is about today. I've run out of ways to name the podcast, is what I'm telling you. We're going to be talking with Anne. Anne is uh, the mom of of a child with Type 1 Diabetes. Her son is now in college, but Anne is one of the creators of this just amazing advocacy action group in Texas that took it upon itself to... I mean, just help a, an entire giant school district to understand type 1 diabetes. And now she wants other people to feel empowered to do the same. I think this is a, a public service. Yeah, she, she deserves much credit. And I know she listens to the podcast, so she's probably very embarrassed right now. But uh, here comes Anne. And um, I mean, I can't wait for you to find out where the swine flew. And how do you break three arms? I mean, that seems impossible, but... Someone was able to do it, and we'll find out who in just a second. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always speak to a physician about anything you do with your medical plan and stuff like that. All right. Okay. Try one more time. Hello, my name is Ann Ember, and I am from the Houston, Texas area, actually from Cypress, Texas, which is just outside of Houston. And I'm one of the co-founders of CyFear Type 1 Connection, which is a school and advocacy support group for schools, uh, kids in our school district. And not only was that a beautiful explanation of who you are, but it sounded perfect. We are well on <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Okay. After many trials there. What, uh, what uh, listen. Most of that will get added out. No one will ever know. So um, <laughs> what what brought you to create a support group in your district? Well, I have a type 1 son myself. Um, and although he's actually older now and he's gone off to college, um, I found myself sitting amongst other type 1 diabetic families and hearing the same stories that we had experienced six years ago when my son was diagnosed and they were experiencing the exact same problems. And although I had always been um, an active advocate for my son, uh, setting 504 plans in place, um, everything that needed to be done as far as his uh, school and things like that, but I found that we were still having the same discussions that he may have experienced previously, say in middle school. And I thought it's time to pull all of our stories together and see if we can address this directly with the school district to um, make some improvements. Um, We have a really good school district that supports us in many ways because we're in Texas and we have a uh, House Bill uh, 984 that really protects our type 1 diabetics. But um, You know, we're a large school district. We have 115,000 students. We have 54 elementary schools, um, 18 middle schools, and 12 high schools. So, And they're all very large. So the idea is then instead of each person having to show up on their day and fight a battle that's been fought countless times before, why not get, first of all, everyone together, but also get your voices together and your stories together so that maybe you start building some understanding on the opposite side. And instead of having to go in and start at, you know, step one on day one, maybe you could start at step 
50. And right, right, right. Uh, we knew that there were a lot of things in place already, but um, we also wanted to be a positive voice on behalf of our kids. Um, I think when sometimes you obviously we are a very a very diverse group of parents um, with uh, with type one diabetes. And sometimes you have people going in screaming and and then or pushing for one thing. And we thought, you know, how about we approach this in a positive way and really try to listen to the school district when they have an issue that they can't accommodate us on and also try to understand that so that we can then share that information with others. Um, so we have a better understanding and then um, the things that we did need work with that we could approach them in an open and open way where we came to them and we've really thought through with a number of people on this committee about what was the issue. And is this really an issue? Is this just a misunderstanding between a parent or is this really an issue in the school district? And so through the committee, we decide what we go forward with. And then that committee then met with school administration and we're continuing. That's an ongoing discussion that we're having. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's, just a very good idea and to focus everyone's energy. And it, it also, you know, it, it highlights something that it happens a lot. You don't recognize is that not everybody is great at going and having these conversations at the school. And it's easy to, to, you know, get into that situation and start ranting and raving a little bit or start, right. you know what I mean? Or, or getting so, yeah. get so passionate. We're very protective of our kids. Right. Right. Yeah. You just get very passionate. And then I've always found, you're trying to disseminate so much technical information that's not based in anything technical, you know, the the, the care of diabetes. Mm -hmm. And so you really start right. sounding like you don't know what you're talking about. You know, when you start saying like, oh, this much insulin today won't, right. won't do what it did yesterday. And, blah, blah. and that doesn't sound – that doesn't make sense to somebody on the other side whose ex – the expectation is – you know, I take an Advil when my elbow hurts, it stops hurting. If I take another Advil when my ab my elbow hurts, it stops exactly. hurting. Right? You know what I mean? It's a different world. And so you don't recognize how right. you can sometimes just – I know it's happened to me. I know that I have come out – I've spoken to people at, at, at early on at, at, in situations like that in education. And I've looked, right. like, I've looked like a raving lunatic. And one of the other things that we were starting to see is obviously our school district is a large employer and then they have this target audience of not only their own employees, but the community that they will send a message out to. Uh, we felt a strong presence for type 2 diabetes, which obviously has a strong presence, but we started seeing them use that same attitude with the kids mm -hmm. and we were trying to explain to them, but no, if your target audience is your student that is a reversed number. You're going to have more students with type 1 diabetes. And and so we really wanted them to open up their mindset when they were communicating um, to teachers and, and staff that were actually hand-on with our students that they really needed to better understand type 1 diabetes, the okay. insulin dependence of it. So that was one of the things that we approached with them. And then how is that – how long ago did this begin? When did your – your advocacy group get together and start doing well, what it's doing? We're still very new. We started in March or April of last year. I went to two other uh, moms, specifically one, Carolyn Boardman. She's very active in the type one community and Robin Hall, uh, who's also. And you can when my yeah. son was diagnosed. I'm sorry. And you just, yes. you, you cut out there for a second. Robin Hall. I heard you say and, that. Okay. 
Robin Hall. Um, she was my mentor when my son was diagnosed. I see. For, um, and then she also has two children with type one diabetes. So she had also been within the school district. She has one um, the same age as my son and one that's uh, still in high school. And so those were my uh, co-founders. I said, if you'll do this with me, let's go forward. I need your input and your expertise. And then we formed a then a larger committee which consisted of um, a diverse group of moms from different ages uh, so that we would have that really good perspective of the different age groups that we were would be addressing. Um, and ultimately what we did in the beginning is we sat down and we actually wrote down all of the complaints that we were hearing. I know that sounds crazy, but you sit around all the time when you're with other people and you start griping. And we actually sat down I wrote it down. And then when we wrote it down, we were able to really start pinpointing these are problems in elementary, these are problems in middle school, and these are problems in high school. And then from the committee standpoint, we started looking at it going, okay, now which ones are the most critical to address first? And so we kind of went from there. How did the school take it? Uh, well, the, the good news is we do have RNs in all of our schools, which is such a blessing. We really appreciate and recognize that that puts us at a tremendous advantage when we're trying to to handle support for our kids in the school district. But but there's also, you have kids that are in extracurricular activities. You have kids that still need 504 plans. And some of those activities, they, they overlap with the support, but they also fall into different departments other than the student health services. And so sometimes the message that starts at the top at the, at the school district doesn't always make it all the way down to the staff as far as implementation. And I think that that's probably normal in any situation uh, with school districts. So uh, our job was to communicate with them that some of the things that they had thought were in place were not actually happening. Uh, so and, and, and so. And I think this happens to a lot of people, right? You know, you, you go in, you have your 504 meeting, you say, this needs to happen. And the school goes, absolutely. And then that sort of is the end of it. You, you know, it, and, and I think that there's a, a hope on the school side sometimes that those things just will never really come up. That you're, you right. Know, right. And so that when they do come up, that's when you recognize there is no real process in place here. Like, there, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, Right. It happens to more people than, than you would expect, I think, that, that once, well, it, once, it, once it's needed, you realize no one's paying attention. Oh, I'm a true advocate. Um, my son broke both arms when he was first diagnosed with type 1, and he was still on shots and trying to give himself his own shots and having to take standardized testing. And that was my first lesson is have your 504 plan in place before you need one. And uh, that was one of the obstacles that we were running into. The 504 plans, even though the schools completely supported them, we were finding that there was a big drop-off when the kids reached high school. They weren't being implemented. Okay. Um, and that's when the kids need them the most. I don't want to get too far off track, Ann, but how did your son break both of his arms? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He had a really bad year. Um, just, you know, he decided that he would try to ride his bike from kindergarten when he was 13. And that didn't work because he forgot that you hit the brakes backwards and he went flying. So he broke both arms at once. He got out of that cast a month later and broke his arm again in a different place. Oh. So he had three broken arms. with. How, how do you give yourself injections with two broken arms, by the way? He did it. He had one cast up past his elbow and then one down, you know, the lower half of his arm. 
And one day we helped him. And after that, he's like, I don't need your help. I will figure it out. I will do it. And he gave himself his shots. He did all his testing because he was still newly diagnosed. Yeah. And he did it. And he really, it just really taught me a lot about my son, how brave he is. No kidding. He's always been self-managing. And that's really something. It really is genuinely something. I just thought, yeah. how do you accomplish that? And <laughs> um, at the same time, it was I mean, interesting. He did manage to break both of his arms, so he's an accomplished young man. And uh, <laughs> tell me, tell me a little, tell me a little bit um, about him, if you don't mind. Is uh, 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 do you see any type one diabetes in your family line? Other endocrine issues? Is your son the first or one of my them? son was the first, and it completely caught us off guard. Um, we do have type one diabetes in my family. My sister-in-law has been type one diabetic for 29 years. Okay. She was diagnosed at 23. So we were very familiar and we lived with type one. We always worked mills around that. Um, my sister actually worked for the company that actually distributed the meters at one point. She was a pharmaceutical rep. So my mother was an RN. Um, I knew the symptoms of type one diabetes and yet we did not know what was wrong with him um, because his symptoms, he was running cross country at the same time when he was losing all of the weight. And we assumed that it was from the cross country and all that running that he had started to do, but his personality changed drastically. And literally I was on the phone trying to get mental health support for him at the time that the doctor called to say your son was type one diabetic. Oh, that's interesting because his blood sugar was so high. He was just, so not himself? Oh, he was not himself at all and wouldn't eat, Say, telling me he was starving, but then he wouldn't eat. And he's really a very sweet, even-killed kid. Mm -hmm. And his personality, you know, of course, he was 12. So I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, he's he's going into a new stage. But it wasn't that at all. He was, he was just really struggling. And probably one of the things that saved him, his blood sugar would go high and then he would go running, you know, several miles and he would drop his blood sugar. So he was kind of monitoring himself in that way. So, and, and this all started, he got the swine flu and he never, ever recovered. Once he got the swine flu, he kind of got knocked down. And I don't think it was caused by the swine flu. Just maybe as his, um, we said we don't know what that trigger is. Okay. That was that trigger that changed everything. He never recovered. So, um, and that was he'd been to the doctor several times in that in that time period previously. So when the doctor we went back to the doctor, the doctor could see how drastically his weight had changed. Did, and, you, did you did you contract the swine flu, break three arms, and get type one diabetes in the same twelve month period? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Wow. Good. Why not? You just go. For just, it. I mean. <laughs> I say once you're running, don't slow down. Just, just don't, don't give in. Um, wow, that's nuts. Um, it's all been good from there. It's all been good from there. <laughs> Nothing. Well, listen, you were at the bottom of the hill at that point. Everything, everything was up after that. Um, so your sister-in-law had type one, but she's not blood related. So you were aware of it. Yeah, very aware of it. But still, we missed the signs because um, one of the signs is the frequent urination, and the only time that I saw him go through that was we I was driving my Jeep and I had driven literally 10 minutes and he literally I stopped at someone's house and he jumped out of the side to run in and go to the bathroom and I'm like you just went and that was the only time that he had that frequent urination so I didn't I that was not one of the didn't signs that I gave to the doctor it seemed more like him. he needed an exorcist than a doctor at that point too. It, <laughs> pretty much yeah, that's okay. the best way to describe it well, that's I was interesting. really worried that yeah. he was going off the mental deep end there wow 
that's that's really something. It's it's amazing that it it struck you so kind of deeply that you that you were reaching out already looking for mental health help. I mean, that, well, that's in the- because his personality had changed so much, that moodiness that was so uncharacteristic for him. And he was obviously he was in middle school and you just don't know if that's a preteen situation going on or, you know, you just don't know what direction. And can we take a, a break here? We can keep chatting, but I'm going to do Arden's insulin for lunch. So hold on one second here. Let's see what we got. So, so far Arden's blood sugar has been a giant pain in the butt this morning. I've given her, oh. I've given her enough insulin to put down a small pony and I can't get her, <laughs> I can't get her blood sugar to move. Um, oh. And it's finally dropping now as we're going to pre bolus for, for lunch. But her schedule this year is very interesting because she's in gym right before lunch, which hasn't been a problem so far. Uh, but but uh, she loses. We lose the signal on the CGM almost at the same time every day, right as we need to know what her blood uh, sugar is. So now, so I'm going to tell her to test real quick because I would have bolused off of the CGM. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, so yeah. I'm going to tell her to test real quick. So how about while she's doing that? Do you got is your son? So your son's off at college now, though. Guys, listen, spring's on its way. The winter's pretty much over. You know, spring comes and, you know, with global warming, it doesn't last too long. And before you know, boom, it's going to be summer. This is the time. You're always saying to yourself, I know you are. I know you're saying, you always say to yourself, I know you do. You say, oh, you know, I do want to get an Omnipod. I do want to get an insulin pump, but it's not the right time. I need time to understand. I hear you guys say that all the time online. I talk to people privately. Well, it's not the right time. There's no right time. It's like painting your kitchen. Who wants to paint the kitchen? No one, but you got to paint the kitchen. If you want to have the, the freedom of tubeless insulin pumping, you've got to make the time for it. There's never going to be a perfect time to learn a different way to manage type 1 diabetes. I get that. It stinks. You're comfortable with what you're doing now. But trust me, it's not going to take as long as you think to, to make the adjustment. And this is the exact right time. If you act now, if you go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box right now and get a free demo pod, it's non-functioning, but it shows you exactly how the pod works. And you get it and you say to yourself, you know what, Scott's right. This is the way I want to go. Before you know it, Omnipod's going to have you all set up with a system, and you're going to be up and running. You're going to wonder how you ever did it the other way. And then summer is going to be there. Just as that's happening, summer comes. And no more carrying around insulin pens and and vials of insulin, or if you're using a tube pump, no more tubing going up the side of your shorts, through your tank top, around your belly button, across your ear, back down your thigh, or however you have to run all that tubing. I don't know what you do. That's all gone now. And all you have is the beautiful little Omnipod sitting there giving you insulin, insulin, insulin. It's not in your way. You're loving life, having a great summer. I'm telling you, do it right now. It's as easy as going to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Look, I believe in what I'm saying so much. I've spoken past the music. Okay, let's get back to Anne and more of what she's talking about, which I want to tell you is pretty impressive. Seriously, I... You know, we'll get to it later in the podcast, but man, she really put a ton of effort into this, and a lot of people have. And and you know, I think people who are are coming, uh, the dogs walking by. Basil, what are you doing? I'm in the middle of something here. Just click, 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 right along the floor. Excuse me, what are you guys doing over here? Making a podcast? Oh, I'm just gonna click my nails on the floor. Anyway, back to Ann. Your son's at college. 
Yes, my son is at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, and that is about an eight-hour drive from where we live in Texas. Okay, that's pretty far, and he's. Well, I'm sorry, I'm dropping things. How does he? Um, <laughs> how does he manage? Is he? Pump. I mean, he's still using MDI. Is he pumping? Does he have a CGM? What does he do? He has a pump, um, and he does have. We've had two CGMs, and he's chosen not to use those. So he strictly pumps, and he really does like that. Um, he uses the Medtronic pump, so he likes to be able to disconnect from it when he needs to without the worry. And uh, so that's worked for him very well. He really understands it. He's quite extensive on the pump settings as far as how he manages it. And um, it does very well with that. Okay. And so, so you don't have much, um, like, are you involved in his blood sugars anymore? No, other than we do, you know, we continue to, to go to the doctor's appointments with him and he shares that with us. And so we're very involved with that. Uh, we're very supportive of him as far as making sure that he needs the supplies. And of course, what a difference a year makes just in him going off to school um, compared to after having lived on his own for one year. And his A1C went up a little. Uh, that first semester, we had arranged for him to see an endocrinologist in his town where he was living. Yeah. And so you would have that middle of the semester, uh, you know, check-in and she was pregnant and went into labor right before he was supposed to go in. So he had a period where he didn't get to see his endo as regularly as he planned. And his A1C skipped up a little bit, but then he brought it, he brought it right back down and had it ended on a really, really great note at the end of the school year. So we were really pleased with how he was managing it. Well, that's exceptional for just getting to college and, and making an adjustment that quickly. That's So he, but he's been very involved. Um, he went off to freshman camp and came home to us in an ambulance. Oh. Um, so there's that kind of story uh, where he went into DKA, started vomiting, and went to the clinic that was provided by the university, and they failed to get him help for seven hours. Well, how did how did DKA happen? Was he, was it, I mean, was it just something odd or I think, was, did, did I think you think he, he, I think he really, he had a stomach bug because it started with the throwing up. And, um, so, and, you know, he was only there literally a day, less than a day when this all started happening and he started throwing up and he couldn't keep anything down and he wasn't, then he was very dehydrated because it was very hot where they were, it was in the middle of summer in Texas, started getting dehydrated. His blood sugars were not that high. They were um, like 254, I think was the highest blood sugar that he had. And it just continued to go downhill. And he was so sick by the time that they took him to the hospital. They, the hospitals told us he was too sick to be here. We have to transfer him out. And they, um, sent him five hours by ambulance back to Houston. That's where they decided to send him. It's not a bad timing too. So, so, cause if he was still with you, you probably would have been in a better position to, to manage that illness. I would think. Well, and it was a teachable moment. We always look at these. I mean, there's, they scare the living daylights out of you, but then we, we have, we were, he, although he was really self-advocating for himself in this situation, mm -hmm. he forgot the simplest self-advocation that he should do. And that was just to call mom and dad to say, what else should I do? Yeah. And it was a good lesson because he used it throughout the school year. There were times where he would call me and say, okay, I, I'm not feeling well. I'm sick. And how can um, I get into the doctor that 
they're telling me they have no appointments. And he would call and we would walk through those situations. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's really valuable. It just, it just genuinely like, is. Oh. It, you know, and it's, it's not, they don't understand, you know, they don't understand everything. They, they haven't been in situations like that. Sometimes it's just as simple as not knowing how to speak to someone or how to, how to push a little harder and not give up when you're turned down. And then mom can say, you know, yeah. yeah, do it like this. And wow, look at that. It worked. I did it with my son this weekend. I just, he needed an icebreaker to talk to a, a coach at a, at a, at a clinic and he came up to me afterwards and he said, I really think I should be talking to this guy. I don't know what to say to him. And mm-hmm. I just said, you know, I said, just try this. And I gave him, you know, eight words and mm-hmm. was over there talking to the guy for five minutes. And then he came back. He's like, that really worked. And I was like, yeah, sure. Just, you know, right. you'll figure it out eventually. But for now, why not help a little bit? You, you, you know, so they don't know everything. Right. That's, that's well, we really... put things in place for him. Yeah. We definitely had things in place for him. And, um, so it's just a matter of actually utilizing them and making sure that you speak up. Speaking up is very important. It certainly is. I say this all the time. I don't, um, there's no way I should be married to the woman I'm with. I just, <laughs> really, it's, 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 it's unconscionable of me. I've taken, I've probably, I've probably, I've ruined her life probably. And so, <laughs> it, 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 but I just asked, I was like, you know, why don't I ask? And you, you, you know what I mean? And, you know, and, and after a while she told me, she said, you know, just she's tall. She's like, a lot of guys don't talk to me. I think because I'm tall. And, uh-huh. and I was like, yeah, I, it, it's, it's weird to walk up to a girl who's the same height as you were and, and then puts on shoes and is much taller than you. I, it's, <laughs> but, uh, but I just figured like, why not? Like I, and I'm, I'm totally honest. And like, I looked at her, I'm like, this girl's not going to go out with me, but <laughs> let's try and see what happens. I would tell you, and I said this to my son recently, we were, we were talking about something and I said, Cole, most of what I've accomplished in my life is because I looked at a situation and I was like, well, we might as well try, you, you know, right. like it seems unlikely, but why don't we see what happens? So, right. you know, right. it takes them a while to learn stuff like that. It took me less time because I was trying to talk to a pretty girl, but you know, uh, <laughs> so she said, I don't want to lose. Yeah, and now, and I should really apologize to her now. I'm sure she could have married somebody way better than me, and so I really did. I, I did her in, I think. But, but so okay, so to go backwards, so you've you've got this advocacy piece in in at the school, but it, it's getting larger. It's it's you know people are joining. You're you're making right. you're making effects on the school and for other people. And what are your goals for it? I mean, once it's humming along at the school, it'll almost be like a you know, like a machine that doesn't need a lot of maintenance, I would imagine. So do you have bigger goals for it after it kind of kind of completes these goals? Hey guys, listen, it's your old pal Scott, and I'm here to tell you about something that I can't tell you. That's a lie, I can tell you. But you know what, I'll just tell you then. <laughs> okay. I mean, I might as well write the music's playing. So my daughter Arden is 12 years old, and she never sits still. Between school, softball, and running around with her friends, she is always doing something. But even with her busy schedule, keeping track of her glucose levels couldn't be simpler. The Dexcom share and follow features allow us to be alerted whenever Arden's blood glucose level, whenever Arden's blood glucose levels leave the range that we set. The sense of calm and fantastic blood glucose control. Oh my God, I am tripping over my words. Uh, <clears throat> me, 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 me. 
My daughter Arden is 12 years old and she never sits still. Between school, softball, and running around with her friends, she's always doing something. I'm doing better now. But even with her busy schedule, keeping track of Arden's glucose levels couldn't be simpler. The Dexcom share and follow features allow us to be alerted whenever Arden's blood glucose levels leave the range that we set. The sense of calm and fantastic blood glucose control that the Dexcom CGM system helps to bring into our lives is invaluable. What are you waiting for? Go to www.dexcom.com forward slash juice box or click on the links in your show notes to find out more. How was that, huh? Not bad, right? One take Scott. Only takes two takes. All right, back to Ann. And listen, the Dexcom CGM is an amazing part of how we control, manage, use whatever word you want. I don't know where I'd be without a Dexcom. Well, one of the things that we do is education. Uh, we have offered education programs on 504 plans. Uh, the Teen Talk, I put it together, a Teen Talk for kids transitioning through school into, from high school into college. Uh, and because there's so many non-medical issues that you have to deal with in preparation. And it starts in middle school. It starts in middle school as they start moving through into high school. Um so we have educational programs that we're offering. We're going to do one on extracurricular activities. And so we felt that it was important to continue to educate the parents from their perspective that give them the information that they need so that they can ask the right questions. Uh, 504 plans, making 504 plans purposeful, including the things that you need specifically, like the extracurricular activities. Um, you know. And I hope you can hear me because I'm going to tell you to stop talking because you just you just dropped out again. I'm trying to get you back. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not sure what happens every once in a while. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah, you come back after a second, but it's it's tough because you say something and then you're going to continue on and then you're not there. So uh, making, okay, making five – no, it's not your fault. Making 504 plans purposeful. Yeah, we, one of our things is to try to – make 504 plans purposeful, really educate people. For one thing, people will put a 504 plan in place and then not follow through with it and change it as it needs to be. That's important. They do expire. You need to renew them before your child leaves for college because it is not going to go with them exactly in the same format, but that um, that protection that they will then apply for disability with after they leave high school will go with them. And uh, making sure that they're prepared to request the accommodations like the ACT and the SAT and the AP exams that they start taking. So really making sure that people are aware of what's coming so that they know that their 504 plan is what is used to help them along that way. Um, and the extracurricular activities was one of the big issues because it should be included in the 504 plan pretty extensively because, you know, especially as the kids get older and get more involved, there's a lot more people involved and you really need to have a plan in place so that they're able to participate fully in every activity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because it could, it could end up being limiting if they just show up and it surprises the people running right. the and, and honestly, that is the parent's job to communicate that, but it's the school's responsibility to facilitate it. If you let them know that your child has this activity, then they can help you. But you do have to remember 
that you need to let them know because they you can't assume that your child is going off to run cross country at 545 in the morning at the school and someone that knows how to treat them or has everything that they need has been trained unless you've communicated that to the school and do you have in a form way have, do you have are your experiences telling you that the preparation is bearing fruit or are you still seeing oh no it is bearing fruit when when we had our meeting we had a formal meeting with our student health services director this summer our committee did and it was really enlightening we brought we decided to work on three main issues for the 2016-2017 school year. The first one was um, the extracurricular activities. Uh, well, the first one was really 504 plans, making sure that they got implemented in high school, in middle school, because that was dropping off. Um, one of my connections is my daughter's, one of her best friends was diagnosed the week before her um, sophomore year. And yet the school wasn't reaching out to help them do these 504 plans, even though they knew the child was diabetic. So we're trying to remind the school that it's your responsibility to finish that, what started. I, um, I would say that this is probably a broad generalization, but I, I don't think most schools are excited for you to put a 504 plan in place. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's the idea of now you're now you're legally bound to this idea of, you know, doing the right thing and being there at the right time. And I think that they try to get away with whatever they can. And, and, you know, we've talked about it on here a bunch of times, but you can't just, you know, I've seen too many people go into a 504 meeting and some, then the school go, Oh, you don't need that. And the person goes, Oh, okay. Right. That's sort of the end of it. You, you, You know, there are, you know, I have my daughter's 504 plans available on my blog. It's right on the front page of it and people can take it and use it as they want. We update it every year. So it's very specific to the year. And that's important too. the fact that you're updating it every year. Sometimes people will put them in place and then they'll just say, I have one. And it's like, well, do you, I mean, it changes as the children transition from, you know, elementary to middle school. That's a big transition and you should address each transition accordingly. Every year we add certain things that need adding and we, Mm -hmm. and we also take things out because, you know, I always talk about it as being, you know, you want to seem flexible and at the same time, you don't want to mm-hmm. you don't want to burden the document with stuff that doesn't matter anymore. So when you age past something, you know, there's nothing better in a meeting than to say to the person at the school, "Hey, look, you know, let's I don't want to hold you to this anymore. This doesn't count anymore. Let's let's strike this." And they feel like they're getting something too. You know, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it, it's a good feeling on both sides. You're like, "Oh, I've asked for something. They've given it to me. I've given them something back." It's a very you know, right. it's, a, it's a negotiation. So. Yeah, it is. And w- one of the things that this, the school district asked us to do in our meeting this summer was to start working more closely with Texas Children's Hospital here in Houston. Obviously, they're one of our big um, endocrinology departments that supports a lot of our children, in addition to several other hospitals. But they kind of set the standard because they handle so many of the patients. Mm-hmm. And they asked us to reach out to Texas Children's Hospital to get a better understanding of the changes they were doing. They were making some changes to their doctor's orders. Okay. And to make sure that we understood them clearly so we could communicate with people in our organization. And just to give them a better idea of what was going on. Because sometimes the doctor's orders, people don't necessarily read them and they realize, why aren't they letting my child carry all their supplies? And it's because the doctor's order didn't say that. And so you really need to understand those um, and then communicating back to Texas Children's. Look, these are some of the things that we're running into 
when we use your doctor's order. So kind of bringing those worlds together. I think there's it's very handy to have some broad generalizations in the 504 too. Like it, for as mm-hmm. specific as my daughter's 504 is in places, it also says things like, any of these decisions can be overridden by the parent or, mm-hmm. or, you know, Arden should have complete uh, freedom to move about the school with the supplies that she needs. Simple, right. sta- simple statements that sort of kind of cover everything because you can't, no matter how hard you try, you cannot point by point bullet point, everything that's going to happen. You, you, know, no. you, you just can't figure it out. So you have well, to have latitude and, and, and you can you build the latitude. Into it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be understanding. I mean, we're just people dealing. I mean, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for them as well. They, in most cases, their intentions are good for your child. Um, and even if they, if they appear that they're not, sometimes it's just a simple misunderstanding. So we do have to be patient when we approach a school, like what really is the issue here? Um, so you can figure out where they're coming from and then try to say, okay, well, I don't really need that. I just needed this. That's what I did with my son. I mean, you just work it out. Yeah. To your point, people who are listening, if you go back, you know, a few episodes to one called teacher of the year, it's an Mm exam. It's a, it's a, it's a conversation with a gentleman who was just, you know, a teacher who found out he was getting a student with type one diabetes and all the effort and prep and anxiety that went along with it on his end. And, you know, he'll, he'll tell you in his own words, like, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what to, right. I didn't know what to expect. He's got, he, he didn't just have good intentions. Like he, he, when you listen to him talk, you'll see he's Denny is a, he's a good guy and he's a good teacher, uh-huh. but it didn't mean he knew what he was doing, you, you know? And right. so, and when you, when that's happening on the other end, and you're on the other side of the phone or the other side of the email and they start saying things that you're like, oh, they don't get it or whatever. It's easy to get frustrated, but it's it's difficult to remember their side of it. And it, as long as you can kind of keep that communication going and give them the the freedom to tell you I'm I'm confused or I don't understand or I'm I'm right. still getting it, then you can see so their I'll- side. Yeah, you know, and actually get to a and actually get to something instead of everybody stonewalling yeah. and shutting down. You know? Right. It's they're all teachable moments. I mean, that's Unfortunately, we have a huge responsibility to educate people about type one. And and that was one of the things that we were pushing the school about is like you tend to be classifying these kids as type diabetic, not necessarily type one or type two. And they started classifying this year. They started putting in their their folder, so to speak, that shows the difference I when mean. a teacher looks at it that this child is type one insulin dependent doesn't just and say very diabetes. specific information yeah, versus doesn't. just diabetic. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's really great. That's a great accomplishment on its own. And, and you've, that's something you've accomplished obviously with, with the work you guys are but, doing. Yeah. And that seems so minuscule, but that was something that after they started talking to us, they realized that they could do that because we asked them, well, do you know how many type ones you have in the school? And they couldn't answer the question and they kept thinking it was more type two. Than right. type one, and I think by the end of this year, they'll be able to clearly see that they have more type ones than I, type two. I think what you see there is that just by creating the clarification, you're also creating like a learning situation for them. They're now they they understand better than they did five minutes before, and and that's how you're going to keep creeping forward to a point where hopefully you'll talk to those people in the school at one point, and they'll just be like, oh yeah, and rattle off correct correct statements about what you about what they're talking about, and not just them guessing. And it's a start. Yeah, it's a great it start. Is a start. It's and, a, and, and it's bigger than too. it seems. When I would teachers think. Look, 
Yeah, when teachers look at a child and they're able to say, oh, because if it says diabetic and say you have a teacher that's diabetic because they're an adult and they may fall into that category or they know diabetes from the type 2 perspective, they don't automatically assume that that child is type 2 as well, like them, that they have a different perspective. Well, and their their perspective easily on type 2, as an example, could be that there's really nothing to do. Like, like I'm assuming that kid takes an oral medication and, you know, and probably has a diet that's supposed to be beneficial to them. I could see a, a, a type two person finding out there was another type two person in the room with them and not feeling if there was anything to do. You, you know, right. You, you then can, you get the accusations. No, you can't eat that. Why are you eating that? And right. we had that happen where, you right. know, right. why are you eating Skittles? That's what caused this. <laughs> like, no. Skittles cause nothing bad. Let's just say that. <laughs> I now. love Skittles. They're a lifesaver. <laughs> no, they're not a lifesaver and they're Skittles. Lifesavers are lifesavers. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, got, I think you, you got confused there with your hard candies. I, I love Halloween though because I love the single pack Skittles. Stock it up. It's just like yeah, it's like a, it's a little quarter of a handful. You bang it right, you bang it in. It's done. It feels very low impact. I'm sure it's terrible for you, uh, but it's still some great fast acting carbs in a hot cheese. Feels really good when you're doing it. That's all. Um, you know, if you put a grape with a yellow, sometimes you get a nice mix in there. So, oh my gosh. Well, um, wow. I mean, it's just it's really cool. Like you see so many different people you know, take their calling into the community somehow and do something with it, but not, not to belittle what other people have done or, you know, but what you've done is it's kind of a big deal and it's, and it doesn't seem like it was simple to throw together. That's for sure. Um, well, one of the things we hope to do, because here we are in Houston, Texas, and we're surrounded by other large school districts that are just almost as large as ours, is that we really hope that we can partner with other school districts. Uh, we know that if we do this well and we continue to keep it a positive experience, we hope that our school district is willing to be an example for others and um, that, that, that we can refer them to, say, some of the things that the school district has implemented to improve the process. Um, we felt supported, but we wanted to improve the process. We wanted to take away some of the gaps in care that we were seeing and hopefully share with other school districts the same thing, working together, making sure it stays positive, because I think we'll make more progress staying positive than just going in and being abusive and saying, well, you're breaking the law. Well, yeah, well, great. That yeah. probably get us very far. Yeah, no, no, no better way to get something fixed than to start out accusatory and 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 <laughs> with something so big. And and it's tough because, you know, I always say that for as much time as life in general takes up in your day, and then you add diabetes to it, and, and that's a lot. And now you've got to talk <laughs> to insurance companies and companies that send you drugs, and you know, every there's all these arguments, and now all of a sudden you have to go to this. At some point, you reach a line where you're just like, you know what? I got to let whatever's going to be, be, I can't fight anymore. I don't have enough time. Right. And to have somebody who's willing to have those, not arguments, but, but clarify things for you. So hopefully those arguments don't even ever begin. It's a, it's a, it's a big service for families and they might never well, even know that they're receiving it, but it's exactly. I mean, I always tell people, remember someone else fought that battle before you to give you the rights that you have. Like we have house bill 984 in Texas, which gives our children the right to uh, carry supplies wherever they want. I mean, it's just a very clarifying law for uh, diabetics. Yep. And you don't know you don't know how that came about. And and I have the same thing. Uh, I do. You know. Oh, you do. Well, of course you do. But, yeah. Judy Haley. 
Yeah, Judy Haley in 2007, I mean, got that implemented. And that is something that we just so take for granted that someone else fought this battle before us. And so we really should appreciate and respect that when we go forward and, and continue our advocacy. Our advocacy should be positive on behalf of our type ones to really move forward. Yeah. yeah you, and you don't know what you're going to do today. That's going to help somebody else tomorrow. And mm-hmm. you know, because we had, you know, similarly years ago now, but uh, you know, in New Jersey, they added that idea that kids could test and administer insulin in class. And I took that ability and ran with it. And it's, right. it's, it's the, it's the basis of how Arden takes care of her blood sugar now. And, and while she's at school and once we were able to manage more kind of, you know, tightly at school and be more aware of, not just, you know, every three hours when she would go to the nurse or something, you know, that's a big way um, that we've affected her A1C and, and her overall health and her days and, you know, her clarity of mind and everything else. And it just all started with that one little, like, bonus. Oh, you can do this now. Okay, well, let me see what, right, what right. I can that do with that. self-management. I mean, yep. every day. When my son was diagnosed at 12, my immediate thought was I have to start preparing him to be on his own. I mean, we obviously supported him from day one, but like everything needs to be, how would you handle this? Um, Gone and completely able to be an adult, handle it on his own. So that's amazing. Yeah. Every little step is a learning and teachable moment. Yeah. Even the failures are. Yeah. So, so are, so for people who are more local to you in Texas or other school districts, people who are in other school districts in Texas, is there a way they can contact you to find out more, get involved, or or maybe try to help what you're doing branch out to their school? Yeah, um, I have. Uh, and I'm so sorry. My email. You just banged out again. I'm so sorry. Hold on a second. Are you there? Yes, I'm yeah, here. Good. Describe how people could contact you, please. Would you like my email address or well, uh, we have a Facebook group? That's up to you. How do you want people to get a hold of you if they get a hold of you? It would probably be better to get a hold of me through my email. Okay. Which is Anne, A-N-N-E. It's so funny. One to go. It's T-Y-P-E. <laughs> and you cut out again. P-O- I'm so sorry. I feel badly. Oh, I feel oh. so badly because I just sometimes it goes, oh. it doesn't Have work. I been the most difficult caller? <laughs> no, no, not at all. That, that. We won't say who that was because that would be wrong. <laughs> but and and it wasn't the person again; it was their connection, which is no one's fault. But your email is an a n n e what a n n e at type one t y p e the numeral one to go t o g o dot com. Okay, and I will put that in. And, there'll be links like in the show notes where people can click on it, so they can get yeah. a hold, they can get a hold of you. To find out about, you know, to, to get involved in what they're doing if they're local to you. But I think more importantly, maybe, um, if they're also in Texas, you could you can reach out to these people and teach them how to create this at their Absolutely. own. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, it's all volunteers. It's just all just people putting in the time that they can to mm-hmm. make, you know, to connect. Our, our, our title is Sci-Fi or Type 1 connection and we work on connecting together like we are all doing jdrf walks ADR, you know the ada activities and it's like if you have something going on we encourage you to connect each other can i ask so that um mm-hmm. i'm so sorry because um i was just going to say like did do they need to live in texas or can i have it in my head that I would like to make this happen in Connecticut. And can you help me walk through that then too? Or does it, are you more Texas based? 
well, I mean, we're Texas-based and we do have Texas laws. I would just have to look into the laws specifically for that state. But the bottom line is we all have the same federal laws that we're um, adhering to. And hopefully there's laws that um, in each individual state and we're getting there. Some of the I mean, you still see the progress that's being made in the individual states. But Mm -hmm. absolutely, if there's anybody in any state that needs help, I would be happy to walk them through that. Um, That was the goal is to just share what we know and that's how we started we share we're sharing what we know and what works and just go from there i try to make a difference in in a positive way so what's the facebook page called our facebook it's a facebook group and it's sci-fair that's c-y-f-a-i-r type one connection and and so is it a closed group or do they have to ask it is a closed group um we have um because we I mean, but we do have people that are coming to watch our group. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but if someone comes into the group and they want to join the group, and then w- I think ultimately we're going to start one for Texas type one to go. I mean, t- not Texas type one, Texas uh, type one connection mm-hmm. that, uh, that will be able for all of the schools. Because I had someone contact me the other day being requested, they got referred from the hospital to start a group and they contacted me. So we want to be able to spread the word in Texas as well. Excellent. That's really cool. Well, and I am going to um, I'm going to wrap up with you because it is. I feel sometimes I'm feeling bad, like you're talking and you're cutting out and everything. But uh, I think we've gotten out. More importantly, I think we've said what needs to be said, and and I think that really is the end. I don't want to drag it out to where people are like, okay, why did they just keep saying the same thing? <laughs> uh, but but it's really I did I do want to say this though. I I just genuinely believe that it it's your kind of energy and enthusiasm and stick to itiveness that that everyone needs, not just this, but it's so important in this space with diabetes. And it is a real testament to you that you've continued on after your son's out of the the high school system. I mean, that you're really, it's, I think it's just very obvious you're trying to help other people. What was interesting about that is people don't realize that my son has moved on, but there's a sense of when people go to advocate in the schools, they get a little intimidated. They're feel that there might be some retaliation or they just are totally intimidated by addressing it with the school. Um, And that's why I felt it was a good time to address it because when my son reached the final stages in his high school years, he was like, don't you dare come up here. (laughs) Not now. (laughs) Well, you know, let me ask you one final question then. Are you, and this might be difficult to answer, but I think it's important to the idea and maybe it's completely one way or the other, but are you a pariah? Like, does the school look at you and go like, oh, it's that woman? Or have you found a way to not, make it that way? Uh, it was hard initially to get in to get them to talk with us. But no, I mean, I hope they don't, don't see me that way because I'm completely in support of our school district and helping them help us. Yeah. Uh, that means it's it's got to be mutual. We've got to be able to support them where they need help. Um, and I do think that some of this responsibility falls on us. If we're going to um, ask something from the school, make sure you give the school what they need. Like, don't blame the school for not treating your kid for low blood sugar when you didn't take low blood sugar supplies like you didn't take things like that so trying to make sure people understand that they also have a responsibility to provide what the school needs to better serve their children yeah now i think that and I that's just, only fair yeah I, I i wanted to ask that because i think it's just important to point out here at the end is that you know you can't first of all you can't just it's not one-sided and at the same time there there is a way to have a very symbiotic relationship with the school it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be contentious you don't have to be 
the person walking into the the meeting once a month where everybody's like, oh, she showed up again. Like, you, you know, it, 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 yeah. it, it can be a very friendly and... and uh, like, and that's that's our goal, is beneficial. to really represent type, type 1 families in a positive light. Well, and thank you very much for coming on talking oh, about it. I really appreciate it. This. Thank you, Anne, for coming on and sharing your story. <clears throat> my, did you just hear my voice break? I'm having all kinds of trouble today. <clears throat> thanks to Anne for coming on and sharing her story. And thanks to Insulate, the makers of the Omnipod, for sponsoring the podcast. And Dexcom, the makers of the best CGM in the whole darn world. Sincerely, you know, I can't do the podcast without the sponsors. And I don't want to ever have to charge anybody for it. So it is a huge benefit that they're so willing to do this and i appreciate when you guys support them there's links in the show notes or you can type into your browser myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox i appreciate when you do that not only are you going to have a a better time with your life with type 1 diabetes i think if you if you try these products but you are helping the podcast exist so that's it listen uh lots of good stuff coming up um starting with episode 100 which is coming up very quickly I'm going to do a little something that I think is going to be different and fun and informative and um, other words that mean I hope you listen.